on 98FM and online. This is Phoenix FM. Job Dean Cox again, this time he's in. At the second time of asking, Dean Cox takes Leighton Orient a step closer to Wembley. Carroll. Jonathan Tahue. Capable of anything. Tahue! Equalizer for Leighton Orient! We're not a city, we're not a town. We're the only one of us around And you know where we can be found When Saturday comes again We'll be trying to do our best To cheer all those on who wear the rest Whatever challenge, whatever test We'll lay an Orient from each end Lay an Orient from each end Hello and welcome to another edition of the Orient Hour. I'm Andy Gilson in the studio, joined by Barry Twin. How are you, Barry? I'm good, thanks. Yourself? You get a bit closer to the Sorry. mic. That's it. That's it. And uh, by Gareth Platt. How are you, sir? I'm good, Andy. How are you, sir? I'm all right. We've, we're, we're trying to get hold of uh, Dave Victor here on this newfangled uh, phone system. All good fun. All good fun, this, and uh, we're hoping it's going to work. But uh, at the moment, we're having a bit of a, a bit of a disaster with it. So we're hoping to uh, get Dave on the line in the not too distant future for a chat. But um, I think he might be there. Are you there, Dave? I am, Andy. It wouldn't be dulcet Dave without no. him. I thought, what's happening? The phone kept getting dropped. I thought, I'd like to blame you. It's, it's a lot easier. And uh, can the lads all hear Dave on your headphones? Yep. You yep. can. And uh, let's just see if uh, last week the uh, person on the end of the phone couldn't hear anybody else other than me, which is a bit unfortunate. So say hello, Barry. Hi, Dave. No? Did you hear that, Dave? Well, well sort of. It, it sounds as if everybody's underwater, to be perfectly oh. uh, honest. Um, uh, but uh, I'll do my very best. Right, what we do is we just turn their mics up and make sure they're right next to the mics so you can hear them. Now, Dave, we just saw your um, highlights of the... I nearly said the highlights of the season video, so so old we are. Um, your uh, highlights uh, reel, uh, well, it was out on, online this week, and uh, it's it's been a remarkable season, hasn't it? It's been a fantastic season. It definitely wasn't my highlights. It was... Uh, you have to just give credit to uh, Luke Lamborn and uh, Tom Short, uh, the media team. They worked so hard for that. I just um, did the voiceover at the end, so um, uh, I thought the editing, particularly at the end, was fantastic. It was lovely to see the scenes, and of course, Barry, uh, in the dressing room, uh, with his guitar. Uh, yeah. <laughs> as you say, a remarkable scene. Yeah, I, I, you know what, we've got a face of our studio window of Terry Howard. If uh, if Gareth could go and uh, make sure he can get into the building, there's a, a little wave there from the Orient legend. Yeah, Barry with his uh, guitar was hilarious stuff, wasn't it? And uh, he got uh, soaking wet, didn't he? Yes, we were talking about the media team, and I think we should sort of say well done to the, the whole club, because uh, the way in which um, they allowed... Uh, the cameras to go into the dressing rooms you, you, you felt so much part of the celebrations and because 
promotion was achieved with four matches remaining. And, of course, the O's champions with three um, games to have that uh, guard of honour. Um, you know, there were so many, so many weeks to celebrate. And it, uh, it still puts a huge smile on my face just uh, thinking about it. Yeah, it's given everybody a, a good summer. Barry's uh, sitting here. It's been great fun, hasn't it? Oh, well, it's, it's going to be a great summer, isn't it? It's, won't, I mean, even going into League One next year, we'll still be celebrating winning the league. Um, it's yeah, and it's it's just going to be a perfect summer, and obviously with the, the Spain preseason, it's going to be even better. Excellent stuff. And uh, Dave, what were the standout moments for you? Do you think this season? Well, there there were many. Um, I, I, in terms of matches, I would probably start with Barrow. Um I thought that was a really important game. You've got to remember that they were second in the table, and I think um, the O's demonstrated a, a resilience and resolve that uh, I don't necessarily would, would say that we take for granted. I think the opening game of the season, the first goal, the fact that it came from a penalty, um, was so in, important. You've got to remember, of course, that was the first spot kick that Leighton Oint had scored in the league for two and a half years. Um, I think one of the most complete performances we saw was at Stockport County. Now, we know what a good team they are. Um, we know how much money they spent. And also, we knew that there was a real virus in the camp. I mean, Richie Wellens wasn't well at all, was he? He got out of his sickbed to, uh, to be there. And there were probably several players that were playing um, when not fully fit. And to go behind and to come back the way they did, um, I thought it was a real statement of intent. And towards the end of the season... Um, I'm never going to forget the Sutton United game when people thought um, we weren't being promoted and Sky TV, of course, saying that we'd been promoted. Um, there was a moment, I've got a confession to make here, um, that I was hoping we weren't promoted. Because, <laughs> you know, we completed the interview, I'd said on BBC Radio London, that, no, it's, it's not happened. But what, you know, Sky to say that Lake Noyant had been promoted, that, that is so wrong. And I think it's a disrespect for the club. A keep so-called bigger clubs can you imagine the outcry if that had happened um hmm. I, I still feel quite annoyed and angry about it um yeah but not as annoyed as the scar not as a... uh, the most important thing is of course the o's did get promotion they did it in a very orient way didn't yeah they? you get you get annoyed dave you get annoyed, but imagine how annoyed the Scunthorpe United fans were in 1989 when our PA announced that they'd been promoted <laughs> and, uh, and then had to say, I'm sorry, no, you haven't, about a minute and a half later. The balloons were still in the air, you know. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so, I mean, there's been lots of times that uh, people have compared likenesses uh, between Edinburgh and Wellens. Uh, my, my main thing is that the, the, the thing that Justin did was he got in there and he he recognised the problems very, very quickly. And I think the same can be said for Richie Wellens, can't it? Yes, I mean, they're both very positive people. They uh, are, are, are people that naturally communicate. Um, they have a very clear vision as what what they want to a achieve on the football field. I think Justin um, said it all when he first came to the club. And he said that uh, Orient had, uh, had learnt how to lose. And I think that was, and, and I think that's still deep embedded in the club. Um, looking back uh, on that, um, uh, you know, compilation of what happened in the season, it made me appreciate just the quality of the signings that took place in both transfer windows in the summer. 
and we waited, didn't we? You know, there was a lot of panic on social media and the Orient faithful sort of saying, oh gosh, you know, why haven't we signed players? Uh, Idris El Mazouni uh, wasn't available, was he? We hadn't signed him for the opening uh, game at uh, mm-hmm. Grimsby, and Rob Hunt was relatively late in the window. Um, but they were worth the wait. Um, and again, I think we saw it um, in January. There was a, a lot of um, overreaction, I think, about the situation that Rose found themselves in. You know, there was talk of a mini crisis. That definitely wasn't the case. And people were very concerned that we weren't signing a striker. But when I looked back, and I didn't really appreciate just how many assists, but also the quality of the assists um, from Sadlia, absolutely astonishing. And it turns remarkable, and I think towards the end of the season, particularly at Mansfield, we saw just what a good player Jamie McCarthy is. Um, so, and actually, if you look at other clubs that have proven goal scorers, Bradford City will not be at Wembley this weekend. Mansfield with DJ, nowhere near the playoffs in the end. I mean, I thought one of the standout performances for Lake Noyant was at Mansfield to come back from behind, to finish with 10 men, and to win that, having had all those days celebrating, having achieved what the O's had done, you know, promotion and the championship uh, title, and Mansfield needed the points, but it was the O's that got, um, gained them. Absolutely astonishing. So, yeah, I, I think... Um, the O's, both Richie Wellens and Justin Edinburgh, challenged the culture of the club. And yeah. the quality of the um, signings, remarkable. It's a strange promotion, though, Dave, because, as you say, you're touching on goal scorers. At most sides, you know, they've got a 20-goal man up front and maybe a one alongside, you know, 15-16 and then a midfield coming in. So, uh, number of goals scored, we've got to be one of the lowest uh, for championship-winning sides, I should think. Uh, but the, the, the strength was that we didn't concede. Yes, and I think, again, you've got to give credit to Richie Wellens and what happened in the summer and pre-season. I mean, we know that um, it's a cliche, pre-season results don't count, it's just as well. Orient played seven, we won one, and that was at Haringey White at the start. And again, any of the supporters were thinking, oh gosh, you know, this is going to be a, a, a really tricky season. We, we knew that both Aaron Twynan and um, uh, Harry Smith had both sustained injuries in that pre-season. And it was a hot summer, wasn't it? And I think in the heat of the summer sun and in Portugal as well, what happened was that they focused on defending. And it wasn't about the back four. Um, Charlie Kelman and when he played Aaron Drynan um, were leading that defensive line. I don't think I can ever, ever recall a Noyant side that defended as a team as well as Lake Noyant did. And I think, again, I've got to confess that sometimes when the O's are playing it really tight at the back and these very, very short goal kicks in commentary, I, I was really fearing the worst. But there was a confidence and, an, um, and a belief in the football that Richie Wellens was asking. And before Christmas, I thought Dan Happy was outstanding. There, there was a presence about him. And some of those passes, those diagonal passes, they were turning defence into attack and, and patient football. There was composure that I must admit, as an Orient supporter, I didn't always have, and I think the majority of the faithful listening to them didn't always have. And again, it was challenging that culture and saying, let's believe, let's play football, and let's be better than the opposition. And we were, and we were rigorous and we were consistent throughout the campaign. Absolutely astonishing to have the best defensive record of the 72 
to break um, so many records and of course the clean sheet the golden glove for Lawrence Vigrew he was outstanding but it was a team effort and the game management stunning yeah how important is it in your opinion that we try and get uh, Vigrew's signature I think um, you know um, Richie Wellens has said that um, when you look at clubs that have been successful when they've gained promotion is that you know they've, they've tried to build on on a, a settled squad so yes you, you know it, Lawrence Figure is, is an outstanding uh, goalkeeper and let's hope he's with us um, next season but now's not the time to um, sort of speculate on those things again it's about the culture of the club um, we've just got to trust the process um, I think you can understand why players would want to sort of look at what the options are um, but the O's are a League One club now and we'll be in a strong position ourselves um, I, I remember a 17 year old uh, a Harry Kane um, and, and interviewing him after he scored his first senior goal for mm. um, the O's against Sheffield Wednesday um, and he was one of three Spurs loanies at the time and uh, I must confess of the three I didn't think he was the best by not far not just you um, Jay if I can promise you we, I actually said that as well as I, I believe it won't make it at the level of Tottenham Hotspur <laughs> yeah, so, so that's why we do what we do and the professional coaches do what they do <laughs> I think they came because we were in the third tier. And I think um, one of the great advantages that we have is being a League One club, that we will probably, in terms of low needs, being able to, we will be able to attract a higher level. Um, you know, if I was a, a club and looked at just how well uh, Idris El Mazzuni had developed at Lake Noint in League Two, you know, there, there is um, uh, a confidence, I think, um, that people would have in giving younger players um, their chance in E10 and, you know, maybe we'll see the next Harry Kane. Yeah, I think the club's become, I mean, Barry, I think the club's become an attractive proposition for young players out there, hasn't it? Oh, definitely, yeah. Um, you can see, as Dave just mentioned there, with El Mazzuni, how he's progressed this season. Um, I mean, unfortunately, it's a bad thing for us, though, because it's now one of those, do, do Ipswich want to keep him, or are, are there bigger clubs that are going to want him because he's done so well? He's been put in the shop window, um, so it, 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 it's the same as the outer contract players. that They're now in the shop window. Obviously, offers are going to come in for them. Um, but, yeah, I think it's now in League One, whereas before you might get the, the 18-, 19-year-olds on loan, now you might get the... The, the, the 19, 20 year olds are on though that have already done a year in League Two and they're going to progress into a, 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 another step up of football to, to be loaned out to. Well, Dave, can we just, while you're on the line, can we, can we thank you for all your uh, Victor's views this season? Because it's an immense number you've done for us and they are very much appreciated and um, you know, give us a different, uh, a, a different view of things each week. <laughs> well, thank you, Andy. Um, yes, I mean, I, it was. It was helpful to me, uh, to be honest, to, to be uh, given the chance to reflect on where we were. And it often, um, you know, what we what we said was very much used as part of the previews and preparations uh, going forward. But um, it, it was a good season to review, to be perfectly honest. You know, quite remarkable just oh. how many, not only outstanding results, but um, performances. And to keep talking about late night being top of the table for 
such a long time. I mean, well, it, well, Dave, the last time they won a... As being said, a season like no other. Yeah, they, the last time they won a championship, me and you were wearing shorts when we weren't playing football. You know, so <laughs> that's, that's how long ago it was. I mean, it's, what's it, 53, 53 years ago. Um, so uh, a, an immense achievement. But no, we do thank you. And I, I've got um, Gareth and, and Terry Howard in here and uh, as well this evening. And I always say, I was going to mention it on air. I said that Dave Victor's the only man I know who, who drove the 24 hours to Tulsa because of the song and discovered there actually wasn't very much in Tulsa. <laughs> and it's true, isn't it? I'm, I'm sorry, Andy. I, 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 I said I heard that bit. I said you're the only man I know who drove the 24 hours t- t- to Tulsa because of the song, and then discovered there's not a lot in Tulsa. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes. I mean, it was on the, on my way, but yes, no, <laughs> I was very disappointed when I got there. How how is Terry? Terry's there. Grab the mic, Terry. Hello, Terry. Evening, Dave. You okay, mate? Did you hear him then? Uh, Terry, I said earlier that uh, everybody sounds underwater at the moment, so you'll have to bear with me if uh, um, I, I'm, I'm I getting... can't quite uh, pick up on everything. But I hope it's his well. computer phone. Hang on, work. hang on. Terry's, Terry's coming on. Hi, Dave. You all right? I'm good, thank you. And yourself? Yeah, keep him well, keep him well. It was an incredible season. So from, from an ex-professional's point of view, Terry, what were your standouts? Uh, uh, you know, I'd love to think of, you know, w- what you thought was um, so different between this season and last. Well, I think you touched, you touched on it. You said everything before that our resilience now, I mean, I'm, we never had that when I was at the club. We, you know, we, we had a lot of great attacking players. We were, we were based on going forward. We come up short, obviously, when uh, when our backs to the wall a little bit. What what Richie and, and Justin done and was was amazing in the sense they made us so difficult to beat. You know, um, our shape we were very rarely pulled out of shape, which is a which is a bit of an achievement because I say teams um, obviously um, are always trying to undo you, but it was very rare you saw us pulled all over the shop. You know, and um, it's a testament to the work that they must do on the training ground that um, we, we we maintained our shape and our discipline throughout and and there was many games this season that could have gone either way but we but we turned and that's what wins titles you know them, them little things that win you the title and um we've done so many of them, them little things right this season and what struck me as impressive was the way in which richie and um, the coaching staff looked after the players um and the way in which the squad and complemented each other. When somebody was injured, it was almost like it was a missing piece of the jigsaw puzzle and someone would, would just step up. And, you know, we're talking about key players like Theo Archibald and Paul Smith that, that were absent for a significant period of the season. They made an outstanding contribution, but nevertheless, the way in which they were covered was remarkable. Thought was at the most potent when Theo Archibald and Paul Smith were in the side together. But it didn't happen very often after Christmas. We lost uh, Dan Happy, and for me, he was without, without doubt the most improved player and, and would have been my player of the season. Ooh. We shouldn't forget just how, <coughs> me, how impressive his partnership with Omar Beckles was at the back uh, before Christmas. I think it's good that Jordan Brown has been one of the early players to commit their future to the club. Um, again, uh, supporters have been very critical about... Uh, 
previous transfer windows, but Jordan Brown has had played a very, very significant part in what was achieved, and uh, I think he's a really exciting player for the future. I don't know about you, Terry, and everybody. Yeah, well, the, Jordan Brown is a player um, I've followed this season, and I've, I've already said I went on, on social media and said I think he is got a massive chance of it. I think it's going to be a breakthrough season for him next year I mean he, this season he, he obviously he, um, he he came into the side but I think I think a lot of people are, um, are really keeping their eye on him for this season and, and for sure I think he'll be I think he's got all the ability to cope with League One um, Dan Happy I, I agree with you we, we had many conversations in here about Dan over the last couple of seasons and, and I was one that weren't sure about him at all but that's what coach, really good coaches do. You know, you see what let's say Pep Guardiola's done with uh, Grealish, made a, a good player even better. Well, you, you look, look what Richie's done with Dan. You know, he looked a different player this season. And I think the only time we were saying about how we coped with um, injuries, I think there was just a, probably a two, three game period after Dan got injured where we just looked a little bit, you know, a little bit rocky at the back. But once again, they, they sort of... Uh, they covered for him well in the end and they adjusted to, to him not being in the side, which is testament to what you were saying earlier about missing players like Smith and Archibald and coping with it. And they've done that so well. And I think Darren Prattley, and again, talking about players that committed their future to the club, I think um, you've got to give credit to the skipper because he led by example. And he, again, he was somebody who looked so different to uh, the previous campaign. Um, he, I think he was given more responsibility, more freedom. And when you look at the likes of uh, Jordan Brown, and I think also Idris Elmazuni, in the way in which they developed and flourished, you have to look at the captain as um, uh, be, being a very significant role in that development. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, um, they'll probably be the first to acknowledge the, jo- the job that he does. It's not, it's not a glamorous thing that he does, but you've got to have players like him in the side. You know, he, he's one of them players... Um, Darren Prattley that you don't notice him maybe too much when he's playing but when he comes out the side you actually really appreciate what he does for the team and um, I'm thinking El Mazzuni and and, um, the other boys in midfield have thrived on the fact that he's he's so reliable in there and and Terry as a fullback Rob Hunt I, I, I don't think he's been given the credit that sometimes I think he deserves. I mean, we know he's a player that uh, Richie Wellens knows very well and values. You know, he was, they were together at Oldham, they were together at Swindon, of course, and they won the uh, promotion and the title uh, together at Swindon. Um, and uh, again, he was a player that when he wasn't available, we were able to cover well, but um, we were never as strong uh, without him as we were with him. Yeah, obviously, you know, Richie knows him very well. And always speaks very highly of him. And, and I think a lot of people, maybe at the start of the season, you know, thought, yeah, he's all right. But then as the season went on, you know, he became a very important player, you know, to the balance of the side, very reliable. And in the end, I think, you know, each week that was the thing. They're all our players at worst for seven out of ten every week. Was we, we, all the players individually and collectively become so reliable. And uh, Rob Hunt was certainly one of those. And the, the goals, I mean, it wasn't about... Um quality it uh, sorry it wasn't about quantity it was about quality but to see so many outstanding goals i think again you have to think why did that happen and in my opinion it's because of the coaching but it was also because there was a belief in the squad uh, and again going back to that justin comment that the o's had learned to lose you have to learn 
to be able to take that risk, to be able to show that level of flair, which we enjoy time and time again. Um, the gold that won the gold of the season competition, one of the best I think I've ever seen for the O's, but I love um, good moves and flowing moves and what we saw at Salford City against Richie's uh, former club, uh, turning defence into attack and the quality of those passes uh, definitely worthy of a much, much higher level. Yeah, uh, and I say, I've, I've never seen so many contenders for a goal of the season. I mean, it was ridiculous. I mean, I think Tom James had two or three on his own, didn't he? You know, um, so it's just it was just a, a ridiculous amount of, of quality goals this season. But you're right, the, the goal at Salford, you, you you know, with all due respect to lower division, it's rare that you see a goal of that quality, like teamwork, in the lower divisions, and um, it was an outstanding goal. They weren't. There, there were so many. Um, and as you, you, you mentioned, Tom James, but also Theo Archibald, and particularly earlier in the season, the, the lofted strike that we saw at Carlisle United. I think before the injuries came, I think it's fair to say that the O's had um, a, a share of luck. I think we were fortunate against Grimsby. I think we were fortunate at Carlisle United. You know, the, the chairman of Carlisle received an apology from the uh, EFL for the quality of the refereeing. But again, I think you earn your own luck and I think if you're positive and it's not just one man I think um, one of the great strengths of Richie Wellens is the way in which um, he gives um, real praise he's, he, you know, he's somebody that connects with people it, it feels good when Richie says well done because you know it, it means it and you've got to say well done also to uh, Paul Terry uh, to Harold and to Simon Royce and the whole of the team the medic team because um you know, the likes of Paul Smith, they, they took some real looking after and, you know, the analysis that took place, you know, that, that it's all part of the, a bigger picture. And also for Martin Ling, what happened and the quality and the understanding and the vision of what was needed in the um, January transfer window was amazing. And, you know, credit to him because everybody wanted the striker and I think here and sadly, the way in which we didn't miss Theo and uh, Paul Smith in the way that I thought we probably would in the closing stages was because of the impact that the likes of uh, Turns make, uh, to a lesser extent, the cart, but particularly here and sadly. And it wasn't until sort of reflected on the rest, uh, looking back, that I appreciated just how much he sort of contributed to the team. Yeah, I think look, any successful club, you know, what happens on the pitch is very much mirrored, like by what happens off the pitch. You know, it, it, it goes hand in hand. You know, if things are, are right, as you say, in the boardroom, in the management, and everything, it usually reflects itself in the in in the players on the pitch. And what you would say about Richie is he's created this environment that was so different to, to Kenny Jackets. You know, I said a while back that when when Kenny was there, he was very distant. He didn't seem approachable. All the things that he is, Richie's not, you know, and and it's created a it, it created a feel good factor straight away at the club that which we didn't have, and um, the last eighteen months under Richie really have, have, have been incredible, you know, and it's, let's just hope he can carry on next season. But I don't know that about the rest of you back in the studio. For me, this feels about more than just promotion. I think why I felt so emotional was because it felt like the completion of a six year plan, and we have to give credit to the likes of uh, Kent Teague and Nigel Travis and Matt Porter um, for saving the club, a broken club. And then we've been through 
um, to, to come back into the Football League without doubt the most important promotion of the club and then to have the tragedy and the loss of Justin Edinburgh um, and then to have COVID and I think it hit late Noent much harder than other clubs what happened against Spurs was wrong on so many levels and I think desperately unfair for Ross Embleton because I think we would have beaten Spurs they were playing two Premier League games and they were going out to Bulgaria on the Thursday they were meant to be at Brisbane Road and the O's punished for doing the right thing you know we didn't have to take their COVID tests most EFL clubs didn't but uh, that's the way the O's do it and that's I wouldn't want it any other way and of course at Tremere we only had 14 players fit two of those were goalkeepers don't think mm. Paul Smith was fully fit but we played Tremere it was a good performance narrow defeat and then what happened with those four games that were postponed I thought that was so unfair on Kenny Jacket because he signed players in January and it wasn't really a break. They never had a chance to, to sign because I'm sure, as you know, Terry, you sign, you want to play, but they had to wait. But it wasn't just a wait. They were getting ready to play um, a match and then at the very last minute uh, they were postponed and clubs were allowed to get away with it. And I think the, the quality of the signings that Kenny Jacket made um, should be acknowledged because it played was a strong foundation we got there in the end dave we got there in the end paul smith and uh, tom james and others yeah we got there in the end and uh, thanks very much dave for joining us tonight i know you've got to go off to a meeting so we'll, we'll let you go and thank you for your time tonight and have a great summer and if you've got any victor views you wish to send us don't hesitate to do so um well i'm um, I wish you all a good summer. I must admit, uh, I couldn't hear most of that. But I wish you all a good break. Thanks okay. Everyone. Cheers, Dave. Cheers. Bye. Bye. There we go. That's uh, Dave Victor. I can turn all the mics up in here. It's um, yeah. This is it's a, it's a computer phone and it's chaos. It, it only picks up the the um, main mic, which is in here, and nobody can hear you. And we've got an engineer, I think, coming in to have a look at that, see if uh, they can sort something out with that. But there you go. These things happen. And and Gareth, nice to see you tonight. We hardly said a word to you in the first half an hour, did we? Yeah, no, I was always on my way to the pub, actually, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to go. Anyway, we've got a couple of things to touch on tonight, but um, I will say it, it – Dave mentioned Stockport, and um, you know they're, they're they're in the final um, this this weekend, and it always brings back memories. Stockport uh, because uh, Terry played up there in an FA Cup tie many years ago, and um, it was a mud bath. And had, uh, you, you were there as well, Barry. That was my first away game. All oh, right. Well, the two, thing two one wasn't it? Yeah, and the thing was, um, it, it, it was a mud bath of a, of, of a pitch, uh, but just before the game, as so he's walking at, you know, the main road. Uh, outside the ground and there's his car suddenly stopped and there's smoke coming out the car and it's, it's burst into flames and i might have told this story before but uh, this fella's jumped out the car and it's it's, it's a blaze and all of a sudden he's run back and he's battled the you know battled the flames opened the car and grabbed the sainsbury's bag or something with a chicken in it you know <laughs> and uh, i thought he's, he's going to go back isn't he he's going to get indoors he said well i've got good news and bad news love you know <laughs> the car's burnt down but um, tomorrow's lunch i've got it here you know but uh, that was my main memory of that and the fact that it was a mud bath and asa hartford and uh, uh, frank worthington were playing for uh, for stockport and they were wearing all white and every player on the pitch, you know, Terry included, covered in muck at half time. And there was these two pristine figures walking off the pitch at half time. Asa Harford and Frank Worthington didn't have a didn't have a mark on them, did they? And um, do you remember that match, Terry? Yeah, I do. I mean, it was quite early in my career there. 
thing is, when you're as good as Frank Worthington, you, you don't have to get dirty, do you? No, that much quality. What a legend. <laughs> he was. He was a good lad. Now, I mean, we, we, we're going to touch... Oh, we've got Barry Twin in the, in, in the studio. We've got uh, Gareth here, Gareth Platt. And uh, Gareth, you've been writing a, a blog all, all... Well, really, for the last two seasons. Now, originally, you were uh, following Arsenal, weren't you? Yeah, I was uh, a season ticket holder at Arsenal for 12 years. I've supported Arsenal since I was a little, little boy. Um, With an accent like that? Yeah, it's it's my cousin's fault. It's my cousin's fault. He's seven years older than me, and um, he bet his father uh, in the 71 Cup final that he was going to support whoever... Uh, won the 71 ah, Cup final. Ah. And of course, being a, a young lad with a cousin who's seven years older than you and significantly taller than you, you listen to what he says. I hated him for years. Yeah. I'll be absolutely honest. That start, it was started in 1980 and right up to 1989, I was like, what the hell have I done? Yeah. Uh, yeah, so, but the Orient thing came because basic disillusionment with Premier League prices, European Super League, all that kind of thing. So, uh, yeah, so the blog became more about Orient and less about Premier League and Arsenal and so I found myself getting drawn into this and now I'm here. Yeah, now Steve Tongue's in the middle of writing a book and uh, it, he's, got, he's got the pressure on, he's got to get that out for a, a later, well, I think during this coming season. You've, you're busy working on a book too, aren't you? This is very true, yeah. So it was originally basically supposed to be about the journey, about the journey following Leighton Orient. So it started in the 21-22 season. Um, I'd originally watched, become a season ticket holder in lockdown um, because I'd been watching them anyway, but it was kind of become more to the fore. So I thought, madly, it's like all, Arsenal offered me a season ticket holiday. Um, so I thought, well, why don't I try and see if I can go to all the Leighton Orient games? Um, and so I did. And, and I thought, well, might as well try and write about it as well. I'm sure it's nowhere near as professional and as, as crafted as Steve's will be, but it's more from a kind of fan perspective. It's more of a blog feel, a fanzine feel to it. So uh, hmm. it's about basically sort of weathering the season that we had in 21-22, but then the last chapter is all about what we've just achieved this year, which has been very pleasant. Yeah, it's been, it's been different. And so uh, when do you expect to get that? Finished by well, my, my very strict editor, i.e., the missus, uh, <laughs> seems, seems to think it's going to be the end of this month. Has she, has she already uh, planned to spend any royalties that you get? There won't be any royalties <laughs> at all. You know, it's the, 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 the idea behind it, I mean, I've yet to kind of firm this up. The whole idea behind it is, is anything that raised, that's raised by the book, it goes to the Just Edinburgh Foundation. So, oh, that's nice, yeah. So, I mean, um, not even the cost of publishing or whatever. So, I'm looking at ways of doing that. So, I want to keep it kind of more fan feeling, less professional, if that makes sense. You know, so it's kind of like, a, it's for Orient fans, but it's for football fans as well. So whether that's Premier League fans who are feeling the disillusionment well, I went through, yeah. or whether it's lower league fans who know where the true fo- spirit of football really rests. Well, I hope it sells well. I hope you get some royalties for that. I mean, it's, uh, I, when, I, when I did a World Cup record a few years back, I, the royalties, I, I found out it was put onto this album, and I was in HMV, and I thought, well, that's my song on that album. So I rang up the record company, and um, I said, "Excuse me, you got you got, got a song I wrote on there." And um, they said, "Well, we 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 tried to get hold of the artists, and we couldn't get hold of them." So I said, "Well, they've got their own website. You didn't try very hard." Cut a long story short, I said, how, "How much how much are the royalties?" And they said, "Well, it's a, it's only a budget album. We've only pressed ten thousand of them." They said, "So it, it's um, let me have a look." He said, "It's fifteen p a, a, a track. So you've got one track on there. So it's fifteen hundred pounds." 
So my wife has got the laptop open, and she said, well, you wasted so much blooming time on that bloody thing. She said, right, that's the release. We're going to get a holiday out of it. She said, so she's got the laptop out typing away, looking at different results and everything. About five minutes later, the phone rang. It's a record company. He said, oh, hello, Andy. He's like, sorry, I made a mistake. It's 1.5p. <laughs> it was 150 quid. <laughs> so, and she slammed the laptop. I won't repeat the language, but she slammed the laptop. That was the end of my musical career, really. Um, but there you go. Now, to to my right as i sit in here we have barry twin now barry former non-league goalkeeper um quite knowledgeable about the game for obvious reasons you played for many seasons in goal for um barry um town wasn't it yeah barry town Sudbury, need a market i've had more clubs than tiger woods so barry town yeah but, but Sudbury town yeah yep yeah need a market long melford all the clubs around suffolk yeah so how many years were you were you playing for um so I got my first season started playing Saturday football when I stopped coming to the Orient was the promotion year of 0506. So of course my first year I not come season ticket holder not going to all the away games um was the 0506. So I got to probably only about 15 20 games that season. Um I do remember getting myself purposely sent off in a game so I could go to the Fulham <laughs> FA Cup game. But then they moved it to the Sunday so it didn't make any difference uh, anyway. Fool. Um so yeah so that's that was then um and I played up until I turned 35, which was in um, the Wembley season in 2014. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, so since 14, 15... Um, back at it again, yeah. So you're all the fours at the moment, 44. That's it, See, yeah. I'm a good at the mouse. Nothing stops me. Yeah, so uh, you're all known. I don't know if you've seen it on uh, Facebook, Terry, with uh, Barry. He's, he's got a, um, a collection like nobody else, isn't he? He gets these shirts and everything else. Yeah, um, I'm on Facebook with Barry, so I, I, I do get to see it. Um, it's very impressive very impressive got a lot of time on your hands haven't you mate <laughs> a lot of time and a lot of wardrobe space yeah I mean where do you, where do you source this stuff because it's it's an amazing collection and how long have you been collecting it for so I got into Sporting Orient lived in Leighton my granddad was an Orient fan so took me along to my first game in I think it was against Millwall in 83 um, but he always used to collect programmes he always used to make a note of all the team changes and books and stuff um, so he'd always get me a program and then you used to go to the old program shop that was like the little wooden hut or the little mm, brick um, right. Dave Staplehurst Dave Staplehurst yeah <laughs> he used to give away loads of free programs so mm. I used to collect them and he just got into keep collecting them and then matching like finding the ones that I, I didn't have where my granddad only collected the ones that he went to um, but my current collection now I've, I'm, from 1960 to current date I'm only missing about 15, 16 programs wow so if anyone's listening, do you know what the ones they are you, you really need? Oh, no, I, 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 you didn't come prepared, did I you? I didn't come prepared, no, no. But <laughs> amateur, I, I, amateur. Every now and then, though, I do tweet it out, though, and see if anyone's got any of the, the programmes I need. Likewise, two weeks ago, I think I'm, I'm four, I was four shirts missing from 1987 to current date, um, home and away, third shirts, etc. Um, three people come forward and two donated them. One was an 87-88 away shirt, the yellow one, which I've never even seen one of those in person um and that, that is that that goldy colored one you put yeah. up yeah yeah, so, yeah. i've um, never seen it before yeah. yeah so i got that one sent to me um and then there was a the independent transport away from 92 93 and then one from literally um last season the gray shirt from last season um i was missing so i've now got that so the only one i'm missing is i'm not sure if it's 8990 or 9091 it's the red comet roofing home shirt they're very, very similar, but the only difference was that there's a slight um, design on the fabric, which is the difference. 
So I'm not Cherry? sure which one I've got. Cherry, have you got one? I've, the only shirt I've got is my the, the shirt I wore against Wrexham in the win. Oh. I've kept that and it's all signed. And if the, I mean, if they open a museum, they've got a museum at all, haven't they? They've got. They got. What they do is if they get them into a frame and they put them upstairs in the Legends Lounge. Yeah, I'm, I um, might look to do that because I say it'd be nice for. A, for it's other just, people to yeah, see it, yeah, yeah. Right. I mean, it's, it's a historic shirt. So yeah, it is. Yeah. It is. Well, I mean, I'm sure. Um, I'm, I'm sure the media department will be very pleased to um, get hold of your your shirt and uh, you know get in touch with Terry. He's not on Twitter, are you? But you're on Facebook, and um, you know, and you can get through to him via here if you're not sure. I'm sure they've got your number anyway. I'm sure Luke's got your number. Um, so get in touch with Terry if you want the shirt. There you go. You heard it first. Um, or, or, or have we got bids for above five thousand pounds? <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry, it's nice. not that important. <laughs> well, it might be. You know, look, you know, play it up a little bit, Terry. It'll be a good drink in this for you. You know, but uh, what we we'll do? We we'll take a little break, and we're here this week's uh, Roper's rant, and then we we'll come back to the lads in the studio, if that's all right with all of you. This week we start with a bit of trumpet blowing. At the start of the season, my fan team Pandemonium, following an idea by Orient Hour host Andy Gilson, pledged to donate 25% of our profits for the year to the charity close to all those fans, the JE3 Foundation. Today we have announced that due to the generosity of our readers, we have made a donation of £311.50, which will go to hopefully help saving lives through the purchase of defibrillators. Thanks to everyone who bought a copy. Massive round of applause to you all. On to O's business. The rumours are starting and the names are being banded about as to who supporters think we could, should or definitely are getting. Over the last two years, much was made of the fact that we wanted to sign League One ready players. The benefits are of course twofold. You build a squad that hopefully gets promoted, but also one that won't struggle in the division above. The first part of that equation is well and truly in the bag. And if the players out of contract sign and we can tempt players like El Mazzuni to East London, then you could well have a good argument that we won't be playing yo-yo in League Two. If we are going by that same mantle, then surely any new, incomer, any new incomers have to be pretty much championship ready, don't they? It doesn't mean, of course, that we have to make every newbie an appointment from, the current, from a current second-tier club, as there will no doubt be the odd player who can make the step up from non-league or League Two. As always, it is my firm belief that we need a nice blend of skill, age and experience. Much has been made of our transfer committee and any mistakes. But honestly, for every poor one in the door since 2017, there has probably been someone that has done the job and helped play a big part in our revival. It's vital we don't panic as well, either as a club or a fan base. Just because Prattley and Brown sign within 48 hours, it doesn't mean that Smythe, Vigaroo and co won't sign. No doubt we'll have had frank discussions with them, made them a decent offer, but also been clear about deadlines for making a decision either way. With June the 1st fast approaching and retained lists appearing up and down the country, the real business of summer transfer activity will shortly get underway, along with hundreds of rumours, good and bad. Excitement at who might be coming in, and no doubt the old grumble that he, whoever he is, is not going to be good enough and that we're taking a backward step. How many will we need? Well, the answer to that question cannot, of course, be answered until we know who's staying and who's going. If the majority of players we want to keep put pen to paper, then I suspect we'll want about three to four new faces, plus maybe a couple of fresh-faced loanies hot off the press from Brighton or Tottenham. A Harry Kane might well be the answer. As I said last week, the real hard work starts now, but I have faith in the coaching staff and the infamous transfer committee, consisting of about four people at absolute most. 
rumours and League One. Here we come. Up the O's. Well, thanks very much to uh, Matt Roper for another Roper's rant. Not so much of a rant as a ramble, but uh, there we go. And uh, well done to Matt for uh, donating through to the JE3 Foundation. That uh, reminded me when you said that, actually, Gareth, about your um, your upcoming book. But uh, well done, Matt, for that. And uh, every little helps, and that's... Uh, you know, I think I think um, Charlie said they're about seven hundred pounds, didn't he? So Matt's three hundred. He's gone a long way towards paying for one of those. So, you know, good good work, uh, Matt Porter. Matt Porter, Paul, I'm sorry, Matt Roper. Um, Porter's Porter's um, uh, effort at uh, fanzine was pretty appalling. So we won't talk about that. Was it all aboard the wagon train? Wasn't it? <laughs> it wasn't. That was uh, Matt Porter's first effort, wasn't it? I believe so. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, <laughs> I don't think Matt wants reminding. <laughs> I think he knows it was pretty grim. <laughs> but uh, well, we're looking at, um, as we still do at the moment, because there's players that are waiting to see if they're going to sign. Now, Vigaru is obviously the one I think that everybody's sort of like, you know, um, holding their hands together and looking to the sky and saying, please sign, please sign, please sign. I mean, he's he's a local lad, Barry. He's, 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 he's in Hackney, isn't he? So it's... it's you know, Orient said they're offering League One contracts, so we've got to be looking at pretty much, I should think, 40-50% more than what they're on at the moment. Um, so a, a massive improvement on salary. He's a local lad. Do you think he, he wants to move or stay? Um, I'd like to think he'd stay after the records that he's broke this season and obviously the, the promotion that we've had. It's... It, it's and being local to the, the the club now as well. It's 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 ticking the right boxes for us. But taking my Orient hat off, you can't blame anyone that's out of contract for waiting to see what other offers that may come in. Um, at, at the end of the day, they're, they're footballers. They're, it's a career that's very short, so you, you you can't blame them for waiting to see what offers they get in. Obviously, Orient doesn't necessarily have to have the biggest offer to him. Because he's local, it doesn't have to um, relocate or anything. He's got kids, so it's schools and stuff like that. So if, if they're happy, and I think what we need to do is probably try and find his wife, girlfriend, and try and butter her up to say, look, yeah, you want to stay in Hackney, don't you? Let him play for the O's more. Hmm. Terry, I mean, they've got a thing called agents. <laughs> yeah, I, I'd, taking all them things into consideration with, with Lawrence, I, I would be surprised if he left. I think he settled... He's playing the best football of his career. As, as, as Mary said, he's, his family is settled in the area. He's a local boy. It, for me, it would take a very, very big offer for him to leave the club. You know, even if someone offered him maybe a grand a week extra or whatever, I don't think he'd move for that extra grand. I think there's a lot to be said for, for um, being happy in your surroundings. You play your best football when you, when you feel happy in your surroundings. He plays in a specialised position. There's no guarantee that the, the place that he'd go to where he'd get such a... I mean, the way the Orient's set up, he gets great... Prote- as good a season as he had, he got great protection. You know, so I, all things considered, I, I think Lawrence Vigoury will be at the club next season. I think it's possibly, Gareth, that it's, it's in the club's interest to make sure they get his signature because if they get off to a reasonable start, I mean, the first half of that season, if they're not down among the dead men and they're up there holding their own and Vigoury's displays are good you're now looking at championship clubs 
coming in with a you know a proper offer and and orient might be able to whack a decent transfer fee on vigaru so they get something out of it now you know and you would be looking in the millions um you know if he signed a contract you'd be looking in the millions for a keeper like that to go into the into the championship so it, it could be in launch's interest really to to stay put as well i mean uh, you know for for long-term financial gain for both parties i think it, the sensible decision i don't know what you think is is for him to put his pen to paper well i think there's two sides to that i think the first part is as a goalkeeper it's difficult to move up because when you go the really top opportunities often in reserve aren't mm, they so there's an established goalkeeper and you come in as a number two and and do you really want to be sitting on the bench for most of the time when you could be playing and i think the other thing is exactly the point you were making and i think i think uh, dave victor said it before is that we built the strength of our team on the on the defensive side of things we, we didn't score enough goals. We felt that we didn't score enough goals at all through the season. That's only going to become even more difficult up in League One because crafting goals, and there were some very special goals, etc., crafting goals against better defences is going to be harder. And it's going to be absolutely ultra-important to stop them going in at the other end to give us that base to build on. And as you said, Andy, to, to get off to a good start is absolutely key to what we're trying to achieve next season, I think. So it, it makes sense for the club, it makes sense for Vigaroo, and it makes sense for everybody involved to stay put for now and then see what the future brings if we are as successful as we all hope we might be next season. So. I mean, when, going back some time, Terry, when the club was promoted when you were there, I mean, obviously we lost Dan and Comfort immediately. Um, for, at the time, I mean, it's, it's an insulting fee by any standard, really, but at the time with Orient being a selling club, £50,000 was about the going rate for Orient to get for a player, you know, of a, a half-decent player. Um, so, and it, obviously his career was cut short a few games later, but if he'd waited at Orient and, and performed well at division higher, you know, he probably could have gone even higher than, than that. And how, how important is it? And, how, and also the other part of the question is the jumping standard. Um, how much did, I think we asked whoever was the last guest we had on, they went up with the O's. How, how much difference in standard was it for you? Um, did you notice it? Yeah, I think the, the, the thing that we noticed uh, that took us a little while to, to, to adjust to, it's so much more clinical as you go up. I think we played Notts County first game of the season. Phil Stan, they had one chance. He had one yeah, chance. Yeah, played well and, and lost. He, yeah, yeah, he put it in the back of the net. And we found that over that first sort of 10, 15 games, that's what you notice more than anything, that you, you couldn't afford to miss so many chances. Uh, you couldn't afford to give away so many chances because the standard of forward play goes up I think a great a, not, a great amount of um, knots then maybe that you can you can I mean, you look at our team we're very well organized we can set a team out my little worry for next season is breaking teams down we, we didn't score loads of goals in league two as I say Rich, Richie organized the team terrifically well uh, defensively we very rarely lose our shape sometimes you have to be a bit brave in, in games you know and it might mean losing your shape a little bit and, and, and it'll be interesting to see how we how we cope with that side of it if we're behind in games might have to take a few more chances but but that's my concern going forward is it's not so much at the back it's it's if we're going to create enough going forward because it's going to create a lot of pressure on the boys at the back to keep clean sheets if we're not scoring enough goals it's, an, it's almost an untraditional preparation for an Orient match for Wellens, isn't it? Because most managers, you, you plot your, 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 your tactics around your front two, whereas 
you know, with Richie, really he knew that most of the guys weren't going to come from there. They were going to come from other from other methods, if you like. So his approach to a game surely is a bit different to the traditional approach. I think, like looking back on our, on our goals last season, as we've touched on, we scored so many spectacular goals, didn't we? Maybe we, we we need to maybe score a few more bread and butter goals, you know, scrappy mm. goals, whatever, you know. Sometimes I feel like we don't get enough players in the box, you know, for the little bits and pieces. Um, I, 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 it'd be interesting to see how, how Richie approaches it next season because, as I say, he's, he's he's very set in his ways of how he sets the team up. Um, whether that will be enough as I say time will be the judge I mean to say who's, who's to question Richie and what he's done so far I mean I'm sure he's got something up his sleeve mm. but it'd be interesting to see how he approaches games now what do you do Barry do you, do you take a punt on say a prolific conference forward at this stage or do you look for something higher than that to bring in I don't know it's, hard, it's a hard one I mean you've obviously got the, 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 there was a few clubs like Ch- Chesterfield have obviously failed to come up obviously the ideal one is not to count to coming up and could you tempt, uh, tempt Langstaff out of them um, oh. I think you probably would have he would have left Notts County but I think he would have gone probably higher um, Paul Moneybags Mullin isn't going to leave Wrexham while he's going to be paid stupid amount of money no matter where he ends up playing football um, but I think it's I, I, I don't think you'd want to go down to the to the non-league um, I don't think you want to go down to non-league to, to sign someone you want maybe an Andy Cook from Bradford I mean how many seasons is he going to keep playing at, Brad- at Bradford in League 2 he's scoring 20 plus goals every year he's surely got to decide to come up at a higher level mm. so, sorry on, on that I, I remember like um, Richie um, reading a piece that Richie done about, about Cook and, and he, he seemed like he felt a little bit like he wasn't he's a great scorer at League 2 level he's not so sure about him at League 1 level so I mean so who's to know but I'm not as I say it's as I said before it's a bit of a jump forward wise the quality goes goes up and um, I think Richie was sort of under the impression that as good a goal scorer as Cook is will he be able to do it in in, in that league up yeah well that that was similar to Macaulay Bond wasn't it from the National League went obviously left and went to um, Charlton didn't really figure there got a a few games and a few goals because um, their striker got injured the one that went to Forest um I can't think of his name. But then he ended up getting a, a, a good move to QPR. Didn't work out for him there. Went to Ipswich. The first half of the season, it was all right. Then McKenna took over. He didn't really get a look in. Went back to Charlton at the end of this season. Didn't really do much there. Um, he's now out of contract. So is he one that you potentially take a punt on? I don't know. I've, I've been massively emotional and romantic about this. I, I think that's a dream come true one. But real, realistically... Would it work? I think that's the question. But then the other thing, I think with Andy Cook and, and players of that ilk, I don't get the feeling that Richie likes big number nine goal scorer types. He likes something different in there. Mm. And it's whether we can find somebody who can play, play, as well as nick goals and the more kind of straightforward goals, the more usual routines, you know, knocking in cutbacks, that sort of stuff. Um, or, or whether we have to look at the way the front, the front three works in a different way, perhaps. You know, but I just get, I get the feeling from what Richie says, he doesn't like big number nines who, score, who, who are target men and that's all they do. Mm. 
I'll tell you what, though. I mean, we've had our fair share of playoff upset and joy. I mean, joy when Terry was around and upset ever since. <laughs> Aren't you glad we're not in them this year? It's been some crazy, absolutely crazy results, haven't there? Well, could you imagine being a Sheffield Wednesday fan before that, going into that game at Hillsbury, thinking, "Oh, I've got my ticket. I might as well go." <laughs> Forty thousand people turn up, thinking, "Oh, we might. We'll probably win the game, but we won't win four 0 Yeah. And then to get a ninety-eighth minute equaliser on yeah. over aggregate, it's Crazy. They'll, they'll, go, they'll go and win the playoffs now. Do you know what I always find amazing about the playoffs is how different the two legs are. You know, mm. obviously the, the case in point recently with Sheffield Wednesday and Peterborough, but our two games with Scarborough in the semi-final, we played so well at Brisbane Road. We, you know, 2-0 flattered them. We were more... And anyone who went to the to the game up at Scarborough, it's like the animal, which, uh, wasn't it? Oh, my yeah. God, I, I've actually watched that. I watched that game through. They made it available on YouTube, didn't they, a, a year or two ago? Yeah. And I watched it through just to see if my memory of it was was as as it seemed that night. And and it, we we didn't we literally didn't, didn't get, get out of our half. half. It's thirty four years ago today. Yeah, you know, you yeah, see you, you see the, um, the the stats that they have on. Uh, it been so. I mean, our expected goals would have been interesting that night. But we, yeah. we you know, honestly, it was one. It was. F- f- I was talking about like we were always a great attacking team, but our rear guard action that night was was fantastic because it was just it wave was after wave. We rode. Our luck a little bit, but and, and you say that the playoffs is nothing like it, and I it mean, was God. freezing that night. It was ridiculous because I mean it's it's due it was May, uh, and it was freezing cold, and and somebody was outside the ground throwing shoes <laughs> over the top at the Orient fans. So there was these shoes landing on people's heads that were coming from somewhere. Someone had robbed the shoe factory or something. So you might uh, be. Yeah, so you yeah. might have been cold. I was red hot having to chase them up. <laughs> Me, Steve Castle, and Kevin Owls in midfield chased them around all night. The shadows. We hardly. Yeah. Touch the ball. You, you were Hank Marvin, oh, weren't you? Yes. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, it's just one of those uh, things. But I say crazy, crazy results. And uh, I think Peterborough, I mean, they must be mentally absolutely shattered after that, mustn't they? Well, I, I don't think any team has ever lost when leading a, a first leg by four goals. It's, well, that's I mean, crazy. It takes some doing, doesn't it? I mean, they, they clearly were thinking, right, we're at Wembley here. Um, and yeah, it's not to be. It just just shows a lottery, and thank goodness we're not in it. I mean, uh, and of course, I mean when we did win it, we only just nipped over the line at the death, didn't mm. we? Went on a good run of form and just crept in there. I think we finished six, was it? Yeah, we were yeah, we six, six yeah. out of the seven. We yeah. just sneaked in, and of course we were on a run of form. We carried on that form in the playoffs. So, I mean, uh, but uh, other times we've been sort of you know, up there all the time, and, and then just blown it at the. As we know. Well, we have always made the final, though, every time we've been in the playoffs. Yeah, we're going to go there. We're not going to talk about that anyway. It's going to stay positive. And thank uh, Gareth for coming in tonight. Thank you, Gareth. Not a problem. I was just going to say, I'm actually going to the league um, two playoff final on Sunday. So that's absolutely guaranteed it'll be a nil-nil then. So, yeah. Hurrah. Thank you, Terence. It's nice to see you as usual. I won't be going to the league too far. <laughs> <laughs> and thank you, Barry, for coming all the way down and from Barry St. Edmunds to uh, see us tonight. No, thanks for having me. Oh, thanks for coming in. And thanks, guys, to all Dave Victor, and thanks to you for listening. We'll catch you next time around. I think we're due to have Mr. Ibiri in here next week, so it should be interesting. Ta ta. This is our club.